Christian t-shirts is their evangelism plan, <laughs> right? I mean, it's like, well, I, it said something about Jesus on my shirt, so I'm good, right, Lord? And there's nothing wrong with Christian t-shirts, well, some of them. But there's, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with, with sharing your faith on a sticker on the back of your car or wearing a t-shirt or passing out a tract. Those things are great. But in reality, most of you didn't get saved from that, right? You got saved when someone that you knew and trusted, someone that you knew loved you, talked to you about Jesus and invited you to either a gathering um, or showed you themselves in Scripture or whatever about who Jesus was. And so t-shirts are great, but we want to share our faith by learning to tell our story. You may not have thought of this before, but your life is a story. Your life is a story. Okay, there's a beginning to it. There will be an eventual end to it, at least to the part here on earth. There's action in between the beginning and the end, right? Uh, There's a theme. There's a setting. There's different characters. You know, your life is a story, and you are writing the story of your life, hopefully with the help and leading of the Holy Spirit, every single day. If you think about it, each day itself is a story, each day is a story itself. There's a beginning, there's an end, there's activity and action in between, there's a location, a setting, there are characters you follow. And so if, as you begin to think of your life as a story, then it's not this difficult thing to share. You just tell the story. There's another hymn I love, to tell the story. You remember that one? Okay, I'm reaching, okay. All right. So every day is a story, every situation, every circumstance, every problem that you have, every victory that you have is a story. And what I want, uh, I want to tell you a couple of things this morning about your story as we kick off. Now, the, the rest of this series um, is going to be interesting, okay? I'm going to do a couple of character studies about people in the Bible. Now, you probably know about Paul, you probably know about some of the, you know, Mary and some of the big names that we're aware of, but I'm going to kind of dive a little deeper beyond the Davids and beyond the Sauls and and, and do some character studies of some people in the Bible and tell their story so that there might be something that you can learn, you know, you can learn positively from people and you can learn negatively from people. And so we, uh, I, I want to present these stories to you so that you can learn from their story. And then uh, for a lot of the Sundays this summer, I'm not going to be up here. I'll be here, but I'm not going to be up here. People are going to be sharing their story, okay? I've asked people uh, in, in the congregation, some of them, you, you, your story is nothing like theirs. Others, you can, you're going to be able to totally relate to their story. But you're going to get to hear the testimony of the goodness of God all this summer as we talk and we celebrate about our stories that have been handed over to Jesus. Amen? Amen. So I want to tell you three things this morning about your story. Three things about your story. First of all, you should know your story is history. Your story is history, okay? Now, some people struggle, many of us, I was trained up as a young kid in church, okay? Some of you may, may, may have a similar story. My parents were awesome people. Um, they, they still are awesome people. And, uh, they, and <laughs> so I was trained. I, I memorized scripture. Um, they shielded me from a lot of the junk in the world um, and to the point where I finally came in contact with that junk on my own, I was like, ah, I know about this, and I'm not really interested. Um, and so 
um, you know, I don't necessarily have this big crying, slobbering, snotting at the, at the front of the church story where I was into drugs and I was into this and I was into this. But that doesn't mean that I don't need Jesus. It doesn't mean that I didn't have hidden sin. See, if, when everyone talks about sin, they want to talk about the big sins, right? You know, I was an alcoholic. I was into adultery. I was doing all this kind of stuff. Look, those are easy. Those are easy. And the church for too long has set those things up as the big sins that we're going to talk about. Not talking about pride, which is mentioned a bunch in the Bible. Not talking about gossip, which we all do at times. Not talking about gluttony. Come on, somebody. Right? We like, to ele- we like to focus on other sins, and Jesus talked about that, and he said, he said, he said why, are you, why are you looking at the speck in someone's eye when you got a plank coming out of yours? And so, you know, you, we all have different stories, but I need you to know that your story is history. Your story is history. How many of you have ever heard the phrase or, 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 or thought of the concept that God has forgotten your past. God has forgotten your sins. You've heard that, right? He's not only forgiven, but he's forgotten. I've said that before, and I went back and I thought, is that really true? I mean, we, we know, you know, there's the big three O's about God. He's omnipresent, um, omnipotent, which means all-powerful, and omniscient, which means all-knowing. Okay? So if God is all-knowing, how can he forget something? Right? How could he possibly forget something? And so what do we do when we're faced with these questions? We turn to Scripture, not to Facebook. Okay? You turn to Scripture, and that determines what you believe. Okay? All right, it's, it's still Scripture. All right, just, you know. So Isaiah 43 is the first verse up here, verse 25. This is the Lord speaking through the prophet Isaiah. He says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake, and will never think of them again. Now, it's interesting. In the Hebrew, the Old Testament's written in Hebrew, New Testament's written in Greek. In the Hebrew, the word here for, for blot out, is in some translations it says wipe out. It literally means, and I encourage you to look this up, anything I ever say from the stage, you are encouraged to look up and check up on me, okay? It literally means in the Hebrew to obliterate or exterminate. Okay, now... So, God didn't just cover up our sins like white out. He removed our sins totally like an eraser. Okay? Now, he exterminated them. Now, you don't call the exterminator to your house to cover up the bugs. Do you? No. You call an exterminator to get those nasty things out. Right? And so that's exactly what God did here. If you look at the scripture, and here it's, it's even prophesying about the future coming of Jesus. Um, he goes, I will, through Jesus, blot out their sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. It's not that God's forgetful like, oh, uh, who's that guy down there, Jamie? Uh, what, is, what does he struggle with? It's not that he's forgetful. It's that he is so all-knowing he chooses to disregard. Jesus deals with you not as you are, but he deals with you as you are in Christ. And that's why we have that tension between, you know, Scripture uh, says that, you know, don't, don't say that you don't have sin. Don't say that you don't have sin. We all sin. But yet it also says that, that by your fruit you will know them. So what's, what's the truth here? Am I a sinner saved by grace or am I the righteousness of God in Christ? Well, in, in a way I'm both. 
Because there are two concurrent at the same time realities happening right now. There's a reality right now that in my flesh, I struggle with sin. You struggle with sin. We all struggle with sin. But the greater, bigger, more real reality is that I am seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. So think about this. So God the Father is in heaven. Okay, you probably knew that already. Good job. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Okay, you probably knew that one as well. But if you're a believer, we are actually in Christ. So if we are in Christ and Christ is at the right hand of the Father, where are you? At the right hand of the Father. Positionally. That's your spiritual position. So even though I may struggle with sin, I may struggle with temptation, and I may give in, I'm working towards the the realization of holiness in my life, as are you, but the reality is that spiritually I have no sin. I'm completely and totally righteous. When I stand in front of God at the end of my life and I give account for my life, I will not give account for my sin. Now listen to this. Jesus already gave account for my sin. I will give account for my ministry. I will give account with what God's given to me, how I've, how I've used it for his kingdom. But I won't give account for my sin because, guys, I don't have any. I'm not saying I don't sin. Do you see the difference? And it's the same for you. You don't have to be afraid of judgment day if you're a believer. You don't have to be afraid of standing in front of God. Scripture says that we can come boldly before the, the throne of God, asking for grace and help in time of need. That's in Hebrews. You don't have to be afraid of God because your sin in Christ is obliterated. It's history. Psalm 103.12 says, and y'all, y'all recognize this. You don't have to turn there. But it says that as far as the east is from the west, so he has removed our transgressions from us. Okay? Now, that's not a literal. This is a, it's psalm. This is a song. And it's using a poetic device, okay? So God's not literally taking your sin and throwing it east and then he's throwing you west or anything, right? Y'all got that? All right, it's, it's a literary device, okay? Um, it's like, God, your love is a flowing river. Where God's love is not a flowing river. It's like a flowing river. It's a, okay? It, it's poetic, right? And so he says, as far as the east is from the west. Now think about this, okay? Now don't think about the globe, but just think directionally on a plane. So east is this way for me. That's west for you guys, I guess, right? Actually, let's just do it the right way. So this is north, okay? So uh, this is south. This is east. This is west. So, so east, you keep going east in that direction forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You keep going west in that direction forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, right? The two will never touch each other. They'll never even see each other. They have absolutely nothing to do with each other. Do you see that? And that's how God has forgotten your sin. He is casted as far from you. When he looks at you, he doesn't see your sin if you are in Christ. He doesn't see your sin. It can't get, your sin, if you're in Christ, cannot get any farther away from you. You and your sin are polar opposites. And look, I know people like to bring up your past. The enemy, and we'll talk about that in a second, likes to bring up your past. The only people who like to bring up your past are those that are resentful about your future. Those who are jealous, those who are struggling with what God's doing in your life, and they say, oh, yeah, well, I know where you came from. Well, I do too, but it's gone. It's gone. And I'm not worried about that anymore. It's history. It's history. Look, leave your stuff in the past. Leave it in the past because the past has already left you. It's over. It's done with. 
It's done with. Now, in a moment, I'm going to seemingly contradict myself, but just for right now, I need you to understand that the, the guilt, the shame, all these things that come from your past are gone. Look, Jesus makes us this promise, and you can turn to 1 John. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness or wickedness. So when we come to Jesus, now this doesn't mean, by the way, you don't have to confess for each and every sin. There are certain denominations that, that say, you know, if you, if you stub your toe and cuss and then die, oh, you're going to hell because you have unconfessed sin. That's just not, that's trash. I'm just, uh, can I be bold enough to say that? That's just not true. It's not, it's not good. It's not good reading of, of the Bible, okay? Um, it's not a confession of each individual sin. As a matter of fact, um, I wasn't going to get into this, but verse 7 before it says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, God is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. It's not about confession of each sin. It's about walking in the light. It's about a relationship, okay? It's about a relationship with Jesus, not about a confession over each sin, okay? So, but you don't, it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, he'll forgive us of our sins and cleanse us. You don't treat someone who's been cleansed as if they're still dirty, right? See, God doesn't treat you as if you're still dirty. Your, your sin, your story is history. Your past is history. If you brought it at the feet of Jesus, now some of you may need to give your past to the Lord, may need to give your history to the Lord, and you may need to, to declare from this moment forward, that's the old me and the new me is following you. Some of you may, may need to make that decision, and this is your morning. It's why you're here. But your story is history, amen? Here's the second point. Your story is his story. See what I did there? Your story is not just history. Your story is his story. Your story is his story. Now, it says, Scripture says that we were bought at a price. You know that if you're a believer, you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that means that your story also belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ as well. Okay? And so there are different areas of your story that he wants to use. And, and here's what they do. The first of all is your story can be ministry. Your story can be ministry for someone else. Your past can help someone else's future. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And we're going to read 3 and 4 here. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is merciful. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are comforted, we will be able to give them when they are troubled, sorry, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Now, isn't that cool? So, I know, I don't have to ask you to raise your hand or identify yourself. Every single one of you have gone through something in your past that was traumatic, that was bad, that was not good. Some of you, most of us are going through something like that as well right now. And, I hate to tell you this, I'm sorry, but you will probably go through something like that in the future. Okay? Jesus promised us, he said, you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Okay? So we're going through these things. We're going through these things. And some of you are like, God, why are you letting me go through these things? God, you're so powerful. Couldn't you just stop this from happening? You could. And we don't need to get into theodicy and the concept of why bad things happen to good people this morning. We can do it another time. But the problem is there's something more important than him stopping anything bad from happening in your life. And that's him preparing you for eternity. In order to prepare you for eternity, he, he lets you make, his, make your own decisions. We call that free will. 
he lets you, uh, in order to truly love him and believe him and have faith in him, you have to have the option to not love him and believe him and have faith in him. So we call that free will. You have choice. Okay? You with me so far? Okay? And so that choice allows you to make dumb decisions, and it allows other people to make dumb decisions. And those dumb decisions affect our lives sometimes. And sometimes God does shield us from those things. But other times he says, look, this is going to stink for you. But I need you to walk through it because it's going to build character in your life. And, and this is the point. As you are going through something and once you come out on the other side filled with his mercy and grace, you now have received a comfort from the Holy Spirit that you can now give to someone else. See, people sit across from me in my office all the time, and they're going through all sorts of various things, going through all sorts of deals. Some of them I can identify with because I've been through stuff like that myself. And I go, oh, you know what? I dealt with that too. Here's how the Lord, and here's what the Scripture says, and blah, blah, blah. Other people sit across from me and say, you know, I'm dealing with this. I'm like, you know, I've never dealt with that. I've never dealt with that. It doesn't mean I can't speak into their life because the Word is the Word, okay? It's not me that changes. It's the Word that changes. But... It's nice to have someone who knows what you're going through, right? What if the trash, the trauma, and the drama that you've been through in your past was allowed to happen to you so that you might turn around and use the comfort you've received from the Holy Spirit to comfort someone else who's going through that? What if God wanted you to partner with him in healing his people? See, the lessons that you've learned through God's grace in your life that have brought healing can bring healing to someone else dealing with a similar situation. Your testimony is unique and powerful. It's unique and powerful. Don't hide it. Don't hide it. You get to share it. It's his story now. You get to partner with him and help enter into his ministry. The other thing that your testimony does is that it provides victory in your life. Revelation twelve eleven says that it's talking about the um, it's talking about the enemy, the devil, coming to the earth, battling with the saints, and it says that the saints overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb. We can't do anything without Jesus, by the way, just in case you're wondering. The blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and loving not their lives into the death. The word now, how in the world does the word of your testimony help you defeat Satan? What, I mean, what, what, shouldn't we have like a big spear or something if we're going to fight the devil? <laughs> shouldn't we have like a huge weapon of some sort, right? Shouldn't we do that? Here's how. Satan is very limited in his tools against you. He really is. I know, I mean, I know everyone likes to make a big deal out of the devil sometimes, and he's under my feet and all this kind of stuff, and that's great, whatever. I, I'd, I'd rather not bring up Satan when we're worshiping God. That's my preference. I just, I don't see the point. I like making a big deal out of him. But he has a few weapons against you. Shame, offense, unforgiveness. And let me tell you about all these weapons. Well, we, we could keep naming them, but all these weapons that the devil uses against us, they all hide in the dark. They all hide in the dark. Shame hides in the dark. If people really knew who I was, they wouldn't accept me. Unforgiveness, right? Unforgiveness, where you're just seething. When you're in unforgiveness, you never go to the person who offended you, do you? You always go to someone else. Now tell me, if you'll pray for me, sister, just let me know if I'm right. 
so-and-so did, th- and now you're gossiping. And, and trying to cover it up is, is humility. I want to know if I'm right. You already think you're right. Are you with me sharing it with someone? Come on, right? Right? And then you say, and then, and then we, and I've done this too, and then we say, well, I just want you to pray for this situation. Let me tell you all the gory details. Come on. It's gossip. Look, one of the things I love most about our church, can I just be really honest with you? is that there's no baby mama drama here. Very, very, very little. There's, there's, not, there's not a lot of politics and drama, and that's on purpose. And the reason why it's that way is because we work really, really, really hard, whether it's our governmental structure or whether it's the things that we preach, to let you know, look, I'm going to offend you at some point. You may not like my shirt today. I, don't, I think it's funny. I don't care. But if it offends you, that's a great opportunity for you to talk to me, email me, start a conversation, but not talk to everyone else, not take it to Facebook, not, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Look, Chris, look, we just need to hold ourselves to a higher standard. The, the, the spirit of the living God lives inside of you. You need to act different. I'm not talking about works for salvation. You're preaching. I'm not talking about works. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about having a high quality of life here on earth. If you don't want to be miserable, if you don't want to be mad, if you don't want to be angry, shut your mouth. Right? Right? There's a quote. <laughs> I'm going to get this wrong. There's a quote by Albert Einstein, one of my favorite quotes. It says, if, if success is Z, then X plus Y equals Z, where X is hard work, Y is, uh, y is play hard, and Z is keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Love it, right? Look, love one another. Love one another. You have victory. You have victory when you begin to bring, to tell your story and to bring into light your testimony over the devil. He can't keep you in unforgiveness and in shame and in guilt. When you bring in, he has no more power. See, if you have a sin, an issue, a situation that you've never told anyone about, the devil has access to that. He, he beats you up over it, right, over and over and over and over. But as soon as you find someone trustworthy to share that with, it's in the light, and now he can no longer use it against you. Does that make sense? See, you can overcome the enemy. You get to help God defeat his enemy. Isn't that awesome? No, you need to be wise. You need to be wise. You need to be careful. You need to show wisdom. Okay, that's the balance of this. There's always a balance to Scripture. Truth is a two-sided coin. We always need to make sure we know what the other side looks like as well. Okay? But, but do, do you follow me? So your story is his story. It, it can help the Lord in his ministry, and it helps bring about the victory of Jesus Christ. Amen? Here's the last point. Really, really short, really easy. Your story's not over yet. Your story is not over yet. Amen? Amen. Look at this. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians. He says this. He says, we're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but that's not the end of the story, is it? But we are, but we are not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but that's not the end of the story but we're not abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but that's not the end of the story. But we are not destroyed. Okay? So you need to understand, your story is not over yet. See, when we stop short of finishing the story, 
we come away with the wrong conclusion. This is why it's not okay to judge other people. Because you were you you acting like it's the end of their story. When tomorrow, God may grant them repentance and they may turn to him. So you can't write someone off. Now just, okay, this is a big deal. Everyone likes to misquote the Bible and say, judge not, Christian. Okay, look, you can judge actions. As a matter of fact, judging actions is not only okay for you to do, it's necessary for you to do. You, you can judge, we judge actions, not people. Okay, what does that look like? Say you've got a family member that's, that's, that's doing something. Well, first of all, after you've prayed and fasted, don't try to correct someone before you've prayed and fasted for them. You don't have the right yet. But once you pray and fast, and your heart is broken for them, then you can begin to talk to them, okay? And, and, you, and, you, and you can begin to, to, to gently and humbly, as Galatians says, see if you can restore them. See if you can restore them. We've, we've got to redo, we've got to rethink how we, how we act with people. See, we can judge actions, but we don't judge people. We say that action is wrong. It's okay to say that action is wrong. That's not judging someone. It's judging an action. It's independently, verifiably, objectively wrong. Some things are always wrong. And if someone does it, we're not judging them. We're judging the action. Right? But we judge people when we put the end on their life when it's not the end. When we cut their story short, imagine the story of Jesus. You're reading about Jesus. All these great things are happening. You don't know the end yet. It's your first time reading it. All of a sudden, this guy's betrayed by one of his closest followers. He's beaten within an inch of his life, and then he's hanging up on a bloody cross. And then, bam, you close the book, and that's it. What a terrible story. It's not over. <laughs> it's not over. You don't read about him forgiving the people. You don't read about him saying it is finished. You don't read about the veil being torn. You don't read about his glorious resurrection three days later. How different would the gospel story be if we stopped reading? Don't do that to yourself. Don't stop reading your story and say, well, this is over. It's not over. And don't do it to anyone else. Amen? Look, here's my final question to you. As we, as we get into this, this, this series this summer... Are you willing to surrender your story, past, present, and future, to God? Are you willing? Are you willing not just to make him a part of your story where he guides, he dictates, he's the one writing it for you, but are you willing to share it as the Lord leads you to? With wisdom, of course, but are you willing to let the comfort that you've received through your trials be given to others who are going through the same or similar situation? Let's stand for prayer.